Capital and Interest by Frederick Bastiat. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and presented to LibriVox for our 13th anniversary. Capital and Interest, Part 1, Introduction my object in this treatise is to examine into the real nature of the interest of capital for the purpose of proving that it is lawful and explaining why it should be perpetual this may appear singular and yet i confess i am more afraid of being too plain than too obscure i am afraid i may weary the reader by a series of mere truisms but it is no easy matter to avoid this danger when the facts with which we have to deal are known to every one by personal familiar and daily experience but then you will say what is the use of this treatise why explain what everybody knows but although this problem appears at first sight so very simple there is more in it than you might suppose I shall endeavor to prove this by an example. Mondor lends an instrument of labor today which will be entirely destroyed in a week. Yet the capital will not produce the less interest to Mondor or his heirs through all eternity. Reader, can you honestly say that you understand the reason of this? It would be a waste of time to seek any satisfactory explanation from the writings of economists they have not thrown much light upon the reasons of the existence of interest. For this they are not to be blamed, for at the time they wrote, its lawfulness was not called into question. Now, however, times are altered. The case is different. Men who consider themselves to be in advance of their age have organized an active crusade against capital and interest. It is the productiveness of capital which they are attacking, not certain abuses in the administration of it, but the principle itself. A journal has been established to serve as a vehicle for this crusade. It is conducted by Monsieur Proudhon, and has, it is said, an immense circulation. The first number of this periodical contains the electoral manifesto of the people. Here we read, quote, the productiveness of capital, which is condemned by Christianity under the name of usury, is the true cause of misery, the true principle of destitution, the eternal obstacle to the establishment of the republic. End quote. Another journal, La Ruche Populaire, after having said some excellent things on labor, adds, quote, But above all, labor ought to be free, that is, it ought to be organized in such a manner that moneylenders and patrons or masters should not be paid for this liberty of labor, this right of labor, which is raised to so high a price by the traffickers of men. End quote. The only thought that I notice here is that expressed by the words in italics that moneylenders and patrons or masters should not be paid, which imply a denial of the right to interest. The remainder of the article explains it. It is thus that the democratic socialist Thoreau expresses himself. Quote, the revolution will always have to be recommenced so long as we occupy ourselves with consequences only without having the logic or the courage to attack the principle itself this principle is capital 
false property interest and usury which by the old regime is made to weigh upon labor ever since the aristocrats invented the incredible fiction that capital possesses the power of reproducing itself the workers have been at the mercy of the idle at the end of a year will you find an additional crown in a bag of one hundred shillings at the end of fourteen years will your shillings have doubled in your bag will a work of industry or of skill produce another at the end of fourteen years let us begin then by demolishing this fatal fiction End quote. i have quoted the above merely for the sake of establishing the fact that many persons consider the productiveness of capital a false a fatal and an iniquitous principle but quotations are superfluous it is well known that the people attribute their sufferings to what they call the trafficking in man by man in fact the phrase tyranny of capital has become proverbial i believe there is not a man in the world who is aware of the whole importance of this question is the interest of capital natural just and lawful and as useful to the payer as to the receiver you answer no i answer yes then we differ entirely but it is of the utmost importance to discover which of us is in the right otherwise we shall incur the danger of making a false solution of the question a matter of opinion if the error is on my side however the evil would not be so great it must be inferred that i know nothing about the true interests of the masses or the march of human progress and that all my arguments are but as so many grains of sand by which the car of the revolution will certainly not be arrested but if on the contrary messieurs proudhon and thore are deceiving themselves it follows that they are leading the people astray that they are showing them the evil where it does not exist and thus giving a false direction to their ideas to their antipathies to their dislikes and to their attacks it follows that the misguided people are rushing into a horrible and absurd struggle in which victory would be more fatal than defeat since according to this supposition the result would be the realization of universal evils the destruction of every means of emancipation the consummation of its own misery this is just what monsieur proudhon has acknowledged with perfect good faith he told me quote, the foundation stone of my system is the gratuitousness of credit if i am mistaken in this socialism is a vain dream End quote. i add it is a dream in which the people are tearing themselves to pieces will it therefore be a cause for surprise if when they awake they find themselves mangled and bleeding such a danger as this is enough to justify me fully if in the course of the discussion i allow myself to be led into some trivialities and some prolixity end of part one introduction